Hi there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for Coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you want to be an entrepreneur, or you are, but feel isolated and alone, this is the episode for you, my friends, because my next guest just graduated from college in 2018, and along with a buddy of his, founded the Next Gen Summit, the premier conference and global community for the world's most creative and intelligent young game changers to connect and collaborate in person. But before I introduce you to Dylan Gambardella, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's our weekly newsletter that comes out every Monday with an overview of the guests we're going to be featuring that week, who they are, what they do, things like that. And it is super easy to sign up. Just go to the Time for Coffee website at time the number four coffee.org. And it's right there on the homepage. And while you're there, you can check out the rest of the website, including the homepage, which has all the T4C episodes organized by careers and by health, wellness, and self-care. So hopefully, no matter what you're most interested in learning about, it'll be right there. And if it's not, then please DM me at Andrea underscore Koppel or at time the number four, Coffee, LLC. Now grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated brew because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Dylan Gambardella, speaker, writer, investor, and co-founder of the Next Gen Summit. Before graduating as the valedictorian of his high school, Dylan co-founded Students for Students, a college advisory firm that has helped dozens and dozens of students across three continents gain admission to their dream schools. And then Dylan and another buddy of his founded NextGen in 2014 while they were still undergrads at Duke. And that was in order to curate both online and in person a community of the world's most talented young people and to provide them with the resources and guidance necessary for both personal and professional success. The 2018 NextGen Summit welcomed 750 people from six continents. There were more than 70 speakers, more than 80 mentors, and on and on. Dylan, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? Uh, It's such a pleasure to be here. I am ready to go. Super excited to be with you today, and I can't wait to dive in. Let's dive right in then. I am so curious, Dylan, where you and your buddy got the idea for NextGen, and what did it look like when you first began building it back in 2014? It is fun to look back now, I'll tell you that. Sitting here in November 2018, thinking back just about four years ago when we had the idea for the first NextGen Summit, we have come a long way. And I say that with a chuckle because I know what it was like thinking back. We had a selfish desire to meet other young entrepreneurs. When my partner and I were starting our first business, Students for Students, we were alone. Everywhere we went, we tried to connect with other business owners, people who were working on what they were passionate about. But we'd meet folks who were incredible founders, incredible entrepreneurs. However, they were 
35, 40, 45, maybe even our parents' age, not to put mom and dad on the spot. But we wanted to meet other 17 and 18 year olds who were enjoying what they were doing and maybe not following the quote unquote status quo. And that led us to get together and say, let's go host our own event. Let's bring those people together. Let's just do it ourselves if we can't find it. And that led to the first Next Gen Summit. Well, and I want to say before I get into the Next Gen Summit, I know you're joining us from your apartment in Manhattan and Java Junkies may be able to hear there's some, I think, sirens in the background. I just want to make sure, Dylan, that that isn't like a fire alarm that you've got to evacuate. (laughs) That is not a fire alarm. I appreciate it. That is just Manhattan. And I'm all the way up on the 33rd floor and yet you can still hear it loud and clear. So that is New York City for you. I hope nobody out there came here hoping they get a good night's sleep because that is quite impossible. But there are tricks to the trade, right? You get used to it after a while. (laughs) Yeah, you need earplugs, I'm sure. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So Dylan, going back again to 2014, what did Next Gen look like when you and your friend were saying, we want to build a community of people like us? What were the first building blocks that you started putting in place? Great question. When we started this venture and this idea came to us, we didn't even have a vision for the community. I'll be honest with you. We wanted to host an event and we thought it'd be a really cool opportunity for three days to have some of the smartest, most intelligent and passionate young people gather in one place, right under one roof. We didn't know exactly what would happen, but we knew it'd be pretty dang cool and magical to say the least. And to do that, we created a small Facebook group for our attendees to intermingle and get to know each other before the event. And ideally, maybe they'd even find a roommate. We were hosting in Austin, Texas. So we understood it would be costly for a lot of folks to fly out there. And maybe you could save a few bucks by bunking up with somebody who you met in the community. And that group after the event really blew up. The 250 people who joined us in Austin, Texas, they all went home and told their friends about it. They told their coworkers, their peers, their fellow students that they were in university. And then that group really went from 250 to 500 to 600 to 700. And before Justin, my partner and I knew what we were doing, we had about a thousand people on our hands, all asking for more. They all wanted what this Next Gen Summit was about. And here I was going into my sophomore year at Duke, never really planned on this being full on business. And yeah, we had thousands of people saying, we want more of this, you have to do it again. And that was when we committed to basically fostering the community, right? Simply put, We didn't know what form that would take, but we knew we were going to host another event. And so we committed to hosting the 2016 Next Gen Summit in New York City. And that event had about 500 people. Between the 2015-2016 event, we just simply engaged with folks online. We would answer their questions, use our own personal networks that we've been aggregating and accumulating to help them out. We didn't know the answers ourselves, and that really hasn't changed. But hopefully, we know somebody who does know the answer. And our job was to put you in touch and We still do that to date. It's taken, uh, I guess, a different shape sometimes now in 2018, but the sole purpose and mission stays the same. I want to get into the mission and what NextGen looks like today in 2018, but I got to go back to 2014 because I feel like you glossed over the idea that you went from zero to having 250 people go to Austin. I mean, you were in North Carolina. How the heck did you get? that location? Where did you have it? How did you get the sponsors? Did you have any sponsors? How did you put those first few bricks down in the foundation that is today the 2018 Next Gen Summit? So Andrea and the Java Junkies, I'll let you in on a little secret. We chose Austin because we looked at the map and we said, if we go to the middle of the country, we'll get both coasts to fly out and join us. Well, I'll tell you that did not work. Instead, we probably alienated both coasts and focused on the center of the country. Nothing wrong with that. It was a great opportunity to meet a lot of new folks. However, 
we did not anticipate the struggles that would come with hosting an event in Austin. We chose Austin as it was a up-and-coming entrepreneurial city. Still is, by all means. A great, great place to be starting a business. And we marketed the heck out of it through any means that we could find. And when I say that, if I could get my hands on a listserv, I was sending it out. If I could get it on someone's Twitter account, I'd ask them to retweet it. It was Justin, my partner, and I, a few volunteers doing anything and everything we could to get in front of as many people as possible. And we somehow convinced, I like to say convinced, about 250 people to join us. To be frank, only a few dozen of them actually purchased tickets. We had zero paying sponsors, zero partners. And Justin and I invested in the future of this company and this organization. We took every dollar we made from that first business with Students for Students and put it into hosting the event. Got the downtown Hilton Hotel in Austin, Texas, right by that major street. I think it's 6th Street, if I'm not mistaken. And it was just an amazing event. We Again, we didn't realize it at the time, but it was the bedrock of this organization that's come to light. If we hadn't put so much effort into curating that initial group, nothing we'd be doing today would be possible. Everything that we do and have done since stems from that initial 250 that came to Austin, Texas and joined us. The speakers, the mentors that we had on site present with us, even my parents, Justin's family, the tone of Next Gen has stayed the same. And if we had maybe, I don't want to say screwed up, but not done as well in curating that initial group, I doubt we'd be here today where we are. Incredible. You know, Dylan, the way that you describe the summit on your website is that the Next Gen Summit is built by young entrepreneurs for young entrepreneurs. Why was it so important to you and Justin that this be built by young entrepreneurs rather than, as you said, a bunch of old folks? By the way, I'm about to turn 55, so I definitely fall into that category. Why did you feel it had to be built by young entrepreneurs? Well, I'll say this. You are more than welcome in any next-gen event from now until eternity. So regardless of that age, no problem. But we felt that uh, it's very important to have that representation by the folks who will actually be using the product. right? And, And community is a strange term to call a product. But in this case, event, product, whatever you want to call it, it was really important to us that we be part of designing. That, that content, that experience. We had gone to dozens of events and it actually culminated in an experience at the Forbes Under 30 Summit when our age inhibited us from partaking in some of the festivities, including the opening concert. Wiz Khalifa was performing, some incredible food trucks were there, but there was alcohol. And because we were 17, 18, we weren't allowed to actually participate and meet the other folks. And we knew that couldn't be the case any longer, right? So we wanted to do it our way. And sure, we'd screw up a lot. We'd never hosted an event before, other than maybe a 20-person birthday party at the bowling alley. So this was definitely a step up. And it would be a challenge, but we were ready. And we knew that you know the failure was part of starting something new. I didn't really know what being an entrepreneur meant. I still don't really know that I'm fully (laughs) aware of the the trials and tribulations that come with entrepreneurship. I'm sure a few will smack me in the face in the coming year, but that's part of the fun, right? And, And again, we were kids. We thought we were unstoppable and still to a certain extent do, but that fearlessness is probably what drove us to actually take the jump, right? And do that, go host the event. And we had a safety net. I was in school. My partner was on a gap year, but he was going to war in the next year. So it made sense. The timing was right. And we felt that someone was going to do it. Why not us? Why not these two crazy 18-year-olds who had the idea and had at least accumulated a bit of experience to influence what we do next? Dylan, I just want to say for the record, people in their 50s and 60s fuck up all the time, okay? The fact that you and Justin have the courage to put yourselves out there and to build something is something to be commended. And any mistakes you make, I mean, come on, 
everybody makes mistakes. The fact that you have the right mindset that's saying, I don't care, I'm ready to make mistakes as a way of kind of following my passion and seeing it through. Power to you, seriously. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. And my sophomore year at Duke, we had as part of a authentic leadership class, one of my most influential classes I've ever taken in my life, the guest speaker was talking about the number one quality that successful business folks exhibit. And everyone threw out persistence, resilience, right? All these great terms that are, are super, super important, probably were two and three and four and five. But for me, the answer was the most clear thinking back to just my short two years in, in the business world, self-reflection, right? And failing and learning from those failures and not making them be a waste. And I think that is the most important thing that we've tried to stay true to over these past four years. We're going to fail a lot. And as you said, whether that's at 18 or 22 or maybe three companies from now when I'm 50 starting a business, I'm still going to fail. But if I'm aware and I can learn from them and influence my business to grow from that and to take that feedback from my customers, from our attendees, our community members and get better, then it's okay. Then it's probably a good thing that we did have that failure because we're going to deliver a better product for that year to come. Honestly, I think we need to come up with a new way of thinking about failure entirely. I think it is wrong to look at it as like the scarlet letter A, because I actually think the more powerful lessons in life come from failing, come from falling down smack in your head. Think about it. I know you're a basketball player from right. those times when you lost a game, from the time when you didn't make that three-point shot, that is when you're really digging deep. And that's the only way you're going to reach the next level. Right, right. I completely agree. When I'm bored and thinking back to those hard times, I always come back to a summer camp moment. You'll laugh. I was probably only 11 or 12 years old, but I'll never forget missing the game tying free throw. And ever since then, it's been something that my friends joke about, but it still gets to me, right? And it's still, I guess that's the competitive nature that I have, but it's those little moments that are teachable, right? And that we can learn from how to handle these downsides and not let yourself completely go off rye and, and go off track. But it's it's so crucial, especially for the young entrepreneur. And I think this is a problem that a lot of media portray entrepreneurship in the business world as being the sexy, easy path to success, that people will get rich quick, people will find their passion, get whatever it is, the girl, the fame, the house. It's not really true. And I think that as long as people are aware of that, it's not a problem. But when you go into it thinking it's going to be two years and you'll have a billion dollars in the bank account, that's a problem, right? And I see a lot of folks who are 18, 20, 22, my age even, starting businesses, thinking it's the path to getting rich quick. And it's just not that way, right? And so I, I want to be a voice to say, that's okay. You're going to reach your level of success in your own terms. It might not look like you think it does today, but if you work hard, you'll probably find something, right? And you'll learn a lot along the way. That's for sure. So just reforming what our expectations are to get ready and prepare for the inevitable failures that arise. So actually, Dylan, what advice do you have for young people who may be at college right now and who are thinking kind of like you and Justin about starting a business, maybe while they're still in school? What questions should they be asking themselves before they take the leap? I'd say for anybody who is debating diving in, the first and foremost is to make sure that you can, that you should be doing this at this time. Now, if you're in school, you probably have a few obligations on your plate. You have classes, you maybe are 
part of some extracurriculars, whatever it may be. And when you are starting a business, the number one, actually, I'll say two most important lessons that I could give. The first is focus. Barreling down on what you want to do is the most important thing you can do as a business owner. It has inhibited Justin and myself from growing both as individuals and companies. We try to do too much. But if we sit down, say, we're going to get really, really good at this one thing or these two things, that's what's going to actually lead to us meeting those goals, surpassing expectations. But when we try to do too much, and it's not saying that we're silly by any means, we're trying to further our mission, right? But if we spread our wings uh, and fly too high, right, that Icarus uh, syndrome up there, then Mm -hmm. you'll inevitably come crashing down. And the second that comes right along with that focus component is the ability to say no. So for anybody who's out there who might be on campus or in high school, maybe just enter the quote unquote real world, I'll say, you have to say no to opportunities that are going to distract you from your core competency, your core reason why you're here, right? Whatever it is in the business world, in your volunteer, whatever it may be. Saying no is the hardest thing that I'll ever learn. I'm still not great at it. But when I was starting Next Gen, I was at Duke and I also wanted to be a member of the student government. I wanted to play basketball. I wanted to hang out with my friends. I wanted to be in a fraternity. All these things that pulled at my attention, they were distracting me from the thing I wanted to do most, which was be in this business world, meeting folks, growing this community, growing this organization. And you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's natural to want to do a lot of things. But there were times when I'd have to say to my friends, sorry, I can't be there. Sorry, I'm going to have to miss that event. Or I couldn't join that club, couldn't volunteer for that organization because I wanted to focus on next gen. And in the moment, it was really difficult. But looking back, I wouldn't be here if I hadn't been able to focus and barrel down and and say next gen is what I'm going to commit to. I'm going to draw my line here. And if it doesn't get me further along these goals, unfortunately, I can't take up that opportunity. Now, maybe that's not a permanent thing, right? It's all about the ebbs and flows. There are times in life when you can do more, you can do less, when you have to focus a bit more and get a little on the intense side. But really, if I could tell students out there, focus and learn how to say no. Those are great lessons, Dylan. What other lessons have you learned since launching NextGen that maybe you've put right back into the business? You know, in other words, you learned something from maybe it was another peer or another speaker at the NextGen Summit or maybe one of your advisors and you were like, whoa, I didn't know that. Let me make that change. Right. I think a lot of the lessons I've learned have come from interacting with other community members, other young people, and seeing firsthand how that human psyche works, right? It's pretty simple that people want to belong. People want to feel like they're cared about. They want to feel like they're making an impact. And if you can find a way to enable that individual you're talking to, you're dealing with, maybe even a business partner to have those qualities and and to embody in yourself that feeling of giving, that's the key, right? And so when we're going about anything we do with NextGen, we think of that true customer. And again, I say customer, it's a strange term to use, but someone who wants to engage with our community, someone who wants to come to an event, use our resources. What do they want, right? How do they want to feel? End of the day, what it really comes down to is that they want to be part of something larger than themselves. And they want to succeed with the tribe, right? Those two characteristics there really embody all that we do at NextGen. And so it's learning from everyone else who has been there before, other entrepreneurs who have gone about their journey and looking back, say, I wish I had that community, but I wish I had somebody to talk to after my pitch meeting didn't go as planned, after that partner pulled out of our deal, after my product tanked, right? I wish I had somebody to call. So listening to them and talking to advisors, that's been one of the most crucial learning experiences for me. I've done my best to cultivate a pretty broad mentor network for myself personally, but also for this community, because I know that there are so many different challenges that I haven't even 
thought of yet. And if I could talk to someone who's been there before and has the experience, whether it's a 25-year-old or a 25-year-old, it doesn't matter necessarily the age, but the experience is what I look for in folks who I can learn from. Because if they can save me some time by telling me what I'm not even already anticipating, that sounds great, right? I'm all about that mentor network. And I strongly encourage anybody who's just beginning and just getting started to go out and find the areas that you need help in. And odds are there's someone out there who's willing to give you a few hours of his or her time to get you further, right? And I think that a lot of young people are scared and intimidated by approaching these business tycoons and these large names at massive companies. But we don't realize how powerful sending an email with a subject line, something along the lines of 20-year-old entrepreneur or 20-year-old college student looking for help, right? With questions whatever it may be, that is the most powerful email you can ever send. And then you tag that along with an .edu email address, right? Everyone will at least open it. And worst comes to worst, they say, a little busy, reach out in a few months. And that has led me to some of my closest relationships today by utilizing the difference I had by being on campus, starting a company at a young age, right? Those can normally get in the way for your success. A lot of people would say that they are not going to help you along your path. But if you can find a way to just rewrite the story, then that could be one of your largest factors on your side. So when you were sending out those emails, Dylan, did you do that through LinkedIn? How did you get the email addresses for those titans in various industries you were reaching out to? A lot of hustling, I'll tell you that. I would send probably five versions of the same email to different email addresses. Let's say I was trying to find Andrea Koppel. Right. I'd send to Andrea.Koppel. I'd send to a Koppel. I'd send to AK at Gmail. You name it. If I wanted to get in touch with you, I would try everything, anything I could. I'd probably also LinkedIn you. Maybe I'd, I'd try to go through your company's website, whatever it may be. If there's a will, there's probably a way. Now, sure, this might not work for Mark Zuckerberg or Bill Gates, but there's a level below them. And there are a lot of worthy folks who you should be connecting with, not including Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg. That would be fantastic connections. But you don't have to aim that high, I think is what I'm trying to say, that there is a, a lot of, of wisdom out there to be to be learned and, and to be ascertained. So anything and everything that you could do today, there's so many tools that you can try to subscribe to a lot of free ones as well, where you can do some searches and a few email softwares that you can add on to Gmail that will try to find that email address for you. But with LinkedIn, as you mentioned, almost everybody has a LinkedIn these days. Sure, you could probably less likely to get a reply. At least that's my personal experience. But if you can, I guess, be persistent and have a unique story, that's the thing. You have to stand out. You got to imagine that these folks, these mentors you were trying to connect with are getting at least five or six of these a day, right? If not a week. So that allows you an opportunity to put yourself above the crowd. Things like student entrepreneur, things like 18-year-old, those are step one. But then take it further, right? How can you add value? When I'm reaching out to these folks, it's always about how can I help you? It's not what they can do for me, of course, they can do a lot for me, right? There's a million things that they can help me with. But if I go to them and tell them, oh, you know what, I'm actually at Duke's campus, I'd love to help get your product down here. I'd love to help spread your company's mission down here. How can I be of service? Saying things like that, now you're talking, right? Now, maybe they go out of their way to spend five minutes on the phone with you, spend 10 minutes, maybe even find a recurring mentorship, right? Whatever it is, always be adding value. Nice. That is amazing insight. What advice do you have for young people who are, you know, maybe not so sure about whether they should go it alone or partner with someone? You and Justin, obviously things worked out. You moved from students for students to next gen. But how do you know that you're picking the right partner? And do you think that that's an asset to have somebody that you're building your business with? Great question. And so important for a lot of young people. You hear 
many different schools of thought. Don't start a business with your friends. Start a business with your friends. I am so, so lucky to have the opportunity to work with Justin every day. I'll tell you this, we could not be doing what we're doing if this partnership wasn't functioning at 110%. We, for the first time in our lives now, have taken different roles and we are both doing different things on a day-to-day basis, which allows our company to be literally two times better. Before, we were probably doing the same thing and that same thing was extra good, right? Justin and I, we have a similar skill set, which is great because that means that what we're good at, we're fantastic at. But we realized a short time ago that if we wanted to grow and grow quickly, it was time that we maybe took on different roles. And so that has been a pleasure and has succeeded tremendously in the sense of us being on the same page, being able to run the company together, manage a team together, but in different leadership roles. So for anybody who's out there and Maybe you have a friend who you think would be a great partner for the business, but you're just not sure. I'd recommend choosing a smaller project to test it out. So maybe before diving in and splitting up equity and, and maybe even ruining a friendship, choose something that you could accomplish in a weekend, right? Something, a small task, doesn't have to be a company, whatever it is, and lock yourselves in a room together, right? Spend 15 hours, only you two, put the phones away and see if you still want to sit next to that person at the end of the day. If the answer is yes, well, then maybe you got a great partner there. If you're not sure, okay, let's tease that a bit more. Let's spend some more time in a thinking and problem-solving environment. And if the answer is no, you can't wait to get out of that room, probably not the person you want to be running a business with. Justin and I will go five days in a row, sitting across the table, him at my house, me at his house, whatever it may be. We will spend hours and hours on end and it's never enough. We always wish we had some more time. Sure, there are bumps along the road. That's just any relationship, right? We'd be lying to you if we told you it was all flowers and butterflies. But those rough moments, those rough patches, we learn from them. We discuss our relationship. We say, how are we being the best bosses that we're being? Are we being the best team members, the best partners? And if the answer is ever, not 100%, we talk about it. And so yet we've maintained a friendship as well. We've gotten pretty good at when we're working, we're working. And when we're not working, maybe we're with a buddy. We're with that person. We're present. We're having a good time, enjoying our each other's presence. And that's so important, I think, for any partnership. Yeah. Well, you are so lucky. I know you know that, but you are so lucky to have found a partner like Justin, who's both like clearly your best friend and also your business partner. Let's move into the Next Gen Summit. I know you've already had the 2018 summit. What was that experience like, Dylan, for the young people who attended? And what was the age range of those who did attend as participants? So at our events, we like to target mostly 15 to 25-year-olds. And that age range is where we feel we can add the most value to folks. If you're a first-time entrepreneur, I don't care if you're 75 and you've worked for your entire career in finance and now you had that idea your whole life and you're ready to take that next step and and go at it, we want you to join us. But 15 to 25 is our typical attendee. Although we had somebody who was 12 years old, escorted by mom, join us this year in New York, members of the Silver Fox Club. And shout out to Dan Schneider out there who brought a few of his members there. And as the name says, those are some elder gentlemen and women who are in the business world for the first time as entrepreneurs. So really diverse and broad spectrum, which is amazing. It's the best thing about our events. You'll meet people in every industry, across every culture, every religion, every race from over 25 countries and six continents, as you mentioned before. That is my favorite part of the event. Where you scan the crowd. We had just about 42% female attendees this year, which is a stat that while we still have a long way to go, 
I want that number to be over half one day. But industry-wide, that's pretty dang good in terms of a tech entrepreneurship event. And we're committed to that, right? Our community team, led by our director of community, Haley Hoffman-Smith, is so much so an empowering female leader. And I can't wait for her to just spread her messaging and get even more women entrepreneurs to come to our events and participate in the fundraising opportunities, the pitch panels, things like that. But when you come to NextGen, the first day of our three-day weekend, it's all about connecting at a, a simple, a low bandwidth level. We don't want to make it hard for people to meet each other because we recognize that while there's an incredible opportunity to learn from speakers and to meet one-on-one with mentors, the most valuable takeaway you will have from attending our conference and our event is each other, right? going and meeting the other attendees. And sure, you hear from Mitch Modell, CEO of Modell Sporting Goods on stage, right? This guy's running a billion-dollar company. But then you can turn to your left and your right and break it down and talk about how that lesson applies to you and, and get so much out of those interactions. When Justin and I were first getting started with our own conferences and going to events, we didn't really have that opportunity to meet the attendees at a sincere and personal level. And so that is really ingrained in what NextGen is about. We believe in small group learning. So there's a lot of roundtable discussions, a lot of workshops that you can actually have tangible takeaways. And it's a nice mix of inspiration, motivation, but also some skills. You'll walk away with both the business branding that you need, maybe it's marketing, sales, you name it. We really try to promote a diverse experience and whatever you're looking for, if you have a tangible goal, we will make sure that we're doing everything in our power to get you one step closer there. Every attendee who comes next gen, we will ask you beforehand what you're looking for help in, what areas. And again, I mentioned a few just now, sales, marketing, finance, fundraising. And we will set up at least three one-on-one meetings with mentors, folks who have dedicated hours of their time to give back. A lot of these are our speakers or our personal mentor networks who will join us. And those are my favorite opportunities that we provide. But I'll hear from an attendee who will be just getting out of a 20-minute mentor meeting, ready to go. They're revved up. They're jumping all around. They probably just listened to Java Junkies before. They've got three cups in, uh, maybe 10 probably. And, and they're they're ready to take on the next challenge, right? Fearless. And that is everything the next gen is about. Right? It's a family. It's a tribe. And it's the perfect mix, in my opinion. Always getting better, but an ideal mix, at least, of education and collaboration. That's fantastic, Dylan. Speaking of education, I want to flash back to when you were an undergrad at Duke. You were a public policy major with a minor in economics. Did you know what you were going to do with that degree when you graduated? You know, if you had asked me that question my freshman or even my sophomore year, probably, I might have told you I'd be working at one of these banks a few blocks south of me in Manhattan, you know, that famous street called Wall Street. I thought that was the plan for a long time. And in the best way, not to be a knock on the financial world, I only thought that because it was what other people around me wanted to do. And I'm lucky that NextGen allowed me to open my eyes a bit. And for anybody who might be in the financial world, if that's for you, that's great. There's so many opportunities, both through wealth and other learning experiences. And I'm a big fan of the whole world of investing. That's something that we tangentially live in. But for me, I knew that wasn't what I need, what I want to do now and next. And I wanted to get a different experience. And so I'm very fortunate to have had that opportunity, even at a school like Duke, where finance is the norm, to go out and explore my own. You mentioned the different experiences, Dylan. And oh my gosh, you had a ton of them. You've also already alluded to some of the extracurriculars that you were involved in at Duke. In hindsight, Do you think any of the skills that you were maybe unconsciously honing when you were part of student government, the Duke University basketball team, TAing, director of restaurants at Campus Enterprises, among other things, have actually been honing skills that you are putting into practice through your work at NextGen Summit? 
Most certainly. And without a doubt, I like to think that every opportunity is a learning experience. And whether it's something like playing basketball, right, that might not seem as if directly translating to success as an entrepreneur at, at next gen now. However, those leadership skills, those teamwork skills, those are directly applicable, right? Talking about my experience at Campus Enterprises, that was a student run business. And at one point, I was managing over two dozen delivery drivers. These were full time employees that we hired from the Durham area. We had people's jobs in the line, right? It, the work we were doing mattered. We were doing crazy amount of money and revenue through our delivery services. And uh, that was up to myself and my two partners. And that was it. We made the calls. We made the call the shots. We made the decisions. And if we screwed up, there were consequences. And that was my sophomore year of school. And I think that was a direct translator into the work I did at NextGen. Now, as NextGen grew, unfortunately, I couldn't continue with a lot of these extracurriculars. Going back to that focus and saying no lessons, uh, I learned to apply my own advice to myself, which was always good. But it was definitely a large teacher. And there were days when a driver would cancel. And I maybe had a class at 6pm, but I had to go drive and deliver sushi. And you know what? At the beginning, I probably hated it. I probably thought, this is ridiculous. This is not what I signed up for. But it taught me that when you go out in the business world, especially on your own, you don't sign up for half the things you end up doing. And forget about signing up for them. Those end up becoming the most important, right? Being able to fill in and put out fires, being able to handle people, being able to learn from your experiences. I had to fire an employee who was triple my age when I was only 19, 20. And that was one of the hardest experiences, but taught me so much. And, and I've been able to take those skills and hopefully I'll never have to do that one particular skill again, ever. But who knows, the lessons I had taken away from my four years at Duke or three and a half academically, but four as a resident of Durham, I'll say, were the most influential part of my life. And I learned so much both about me, who I am, what I want out of life, but about the world and how it works, how people work, right? How to engage effectively, how to be a resource for individuals, but also for humanity and what I want out of life. I think that was a, one of the major keys. And it showed me that I want to find the, the crossroads between success in the business world, but also making an impact. And I hope that at Next Gen, we're doing both of those, or at least maybe the impact right now and, and every day moving towards that, that business world success and, and getting this brand out there and expanding the mission to include every young entrepreneur across the planet. But it was truly a joy to learn from some of the most incredible peers and teachers and professors at Duke. Wow. Well, I got to tell you, you are such an incredible young man. I mean, I can't believe you've already been an entrepreneur for over four years now, and yet you only graduated from college in the last year. I mean, it's not even the end of 2018 at this point. Dylan, can you share with our Java Junkie community a difficult time for you professionally with NextGen? But more importantly, how you recovered and persevered. You mentioned you've had to put out fires. What was one of those fires that you had to deal with? And how did you manage to successfully put out that blaze? So there are two stories that come to mind. The first is going back to June of 2017 for our, what was our third NextGen Summit. And it is the Friday night kickoff party. So this is the fun social event, what I was talking about before, that low effort networking where you just meet people, mingling, maybe grab a bite to eat, a drink, whatever it is, in a, a fun atmosphere before the typical conference atmosphere kicks in Saturday morning with the workshops and the speeches and everything along those lines. But we get to the venue. Justin and I arrive 
right on time, definitely not early, coming from our previous programming. And everything seemingly starts to go wrong. I'm hanging up one of the banners and one of those retractable standing banners. And when I get to the top, it snaps back down, slices my hand open. So now I'm bleeding profusely and I have to wrap my hand and I have one hand as I'm going through the event. People are starting to come in. We're way behind on setting up. We're all, of course, nearing panic mode, but such is life. So anyways, we get the banner up. Seems good. Within about an hour, the venue had exceeded capacity. The bouncers were coming up to Justin and myself, the manager, saying, you got to get these people out of here. What the heck are they doing? We signed a contract for this many people. You've got this many times 5,000 <laughs> seemingly in the house. And we look outside, we go down, and there's a line around the corner for our venue of many of whom are attendees, but also some friends and family, my parents included, who have been waiting for up to an hour to get in because we hit capacity. Now, this kickoff party, a lot of times folks will bring a plus one, which is great. We want to be meeting new people who maybe aren't joining us for the entire conference programming. But that was one of the scariest moments of my life because we had to go in and ask people who were planning on leaving soon to actually get out, which was so sad. But we we tried everything we could to make this work. And end of the day, it did. But we made a few phone calls in that moment to advisors who thankfully picked up at 10, 30, 11 p.m. on a Friday night in June. And we said, we've got a problem. What the heck do we do? Now, of course, we thought that this might be a problem tomorrow too, right? For the Saturday at the venue. And what the heck were they going to do if people who had paid for a ticket couldn't actually go to the conference, right? So that was a very scary morning. It all worked out, of course. And any fears we had were over over that next day lessened and, and eventually evaporated. But that was certainly a scary moment and something that taught us a lot about risk management, but also how to deal with the crises in the moment, how to not freak out, not panic. Or at least not show everybody else that you're freaking out and panicking. We certainly were internally, but you have to show a smile. You have to put on a strong face for both the team, but also the folks that are around us. When you're in the event space, a lot of things will go awry. And, you know, I was walking around with a paper towel in my hand, right? And that's just how it has to be. And if you put that united front out, then everything will be okay. And then the second story is a little more personal. Getting back to my junior year at Duke my spring semester. And it was one of the most crucial times for us as Next Gen. We were growing rapidly. We had uh, some team members who were part-time and, and more, even more volunteers at this point gearing up for the 2017 Next Gen Summit in June. And there was one moment, probably halfway through the semester, when a friend of mine told me that they hadn't seen me in weeks. And I was like, no, what do you mean? It's been a couple of days, right? I'm sorry I had to do you know, XYZ for business. And she told me that I was making excuses why I couldn't hang out, why I couldn't go to dinner, why I couldn't be present with my friends at Duke. And I took stock of the last few months for myself. And I realized that I hadn't been with the people who I cared about for a long time. I'd used every reason in the book. And a lot of them, the sad part is, were valid reasons, right? This issue, that business need, whatever it was. And at that time, I, I kind of had this realization that I'd lost the balance in my life, but I lost a lot of the aspects that I enjoyed most and that kept me sane. And instead, I replaced them with working. And I used every, again, excuse under the book for why I couldn't get dinner, or why I couldn't go out, why I had to miss that event, miss that basketball game. And that was really scary for me. Right? I didn't want to become someone who just worked, worked, worked and, and forgot about his friends or forgot about what mattered most. And, and those are the people I surround myself with. But I made the changes that were necessary. I focused on what was important. And I ended up rebalancing, I think. And balance is a relative term because as an entrepreneur, you never really have a true balance, but it's 
it's what you need to do for yourself and for your own success, I think is a good way of putting it. And I was able to get through with some people who helped me, who, who really cared about me. And so that was important and got me back to the point where I could be that happy, go lucky friend, business owner, athlete, you name it. And so that was a really nice learning experience for me in my life. Wow. And that is so much wisdom again at such a young age. Dylan, I'll be very frank. I'm going through the same thing right now with my own work-life balance. So I am just I have such admiration for you and your self-awareness. I'm having to figure things out, how I'm going to ratchet back some of the intense work I'm doing so that I have more time for my family and friends. So I don't know if that ever ends, especially when you're trying to start your own business. So final time for coffee question, Dylan. If you could go back to Duke and do it all over again, and I know you just graduated a number of months ago, but what advice would you give yourself based on the wisdom that you have now? That's a great, great question and a really tough one. And to pull from the last comment, um, Justin, my partner, he likes to say that we found a life that's worth unbalancing and we found a job and a, a passion that's worth unbalancing, right? So on that note, if I could go back and spend another semester, another year at Duke, I'd probably look to take advantage of what will be gone once I leave campus. And those are the, the incredible people that live and study and work at Duke. A school like Duke attracts an immense amount of talent from across the world and in one little bubble, right? And it's in some ways that's bad, but in a lot of ways that's great because you'll never really have that. Sure, New York, another place where people from around the world, such talented folks. But when you're in college, everyone's at the same level. Right? Everyone's at the same stage. And I think that at times I maybe didn't give that enough of my attention. And I, I might have missed out on a few, whether they would be relationships or uh, mentor opportunities or learning experiences. And if I can go back, I'd probably tell freshman Dylan, that this is a long journey. There's no rush. There's no need to be first. There's no need to even do everything perfect all the time. But instead, to be 100% present in whatever you're doing and to really focus on the relationships that matter and, and to find work that you can do with people you care about and solving issues that you're passionate about. Dylan, I have to say, I think there are so many people out there who are double or triple your age who have yet to land on the level of wisdom and insight that you have. And I have no doubt that you are going to go on to continue to do wonderful, fulfilling things that most importantly, are making you happy, are making you feel great and excited about the life that you're living. And it just so happens that you happen to be doing things that are helping so many others. So kudos to you. Very quickly, before I say an official goodbye, when is the Next Gen 2019 Summit and where is it? Well, thank you so much. It has been an absolute pleasure to chat with you this morning as I near the end of my mug of Java over here. Such a joy having a conversation and learning from you. I know this will only be the beginning, but the next Next Gen Summit, funny plan words there, the upcoming Next Gen Summit 2019 event will be held June 7th to 9th in New York City. And we will be announcing the application release in early 2019, probably that first or second week of January. So if you know somebody who's out there who, whether they're a young entrepreneur or first-time entrepreneur, or just want to be surrounded by people in a contagious environment, we encourage you to send them the link, right? Nominate them to apply or apply yourself. We want to meet you. And if you have any questions, always, always please reach out to me. Happy to chat with anybody, whether related to something I said today, whether completely unrelated, and we just want to talk about Duke basketball, you let me know I'm here. And I hope to meet everybody soon. 
Awesome. Dylan, thank you so much for making Time for Coffee today with me and the Time for Coffee community. You are uh, one of a kind, I have to say. Really special guy. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to chat again soon. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.